CNN's Evan Perez joins us now. So, Evan, this is getting really, really messy. What more can you tell us about these documents found at the former vice president's home? Yeah, Victor and Biana, this, this is uh, very messy, especially for the vice president and, and everyone who's been handling these classified documents. Scenario now where you have the Clintons and the Bushes and perhaps the Cheneys now scrambling through their private homes to see if they inadvertently have some classified material of their own. I mean, because these things seem to, we keep getting these headlines every few days. I would be shocked if it was just limited to, to just two administrations at this point. Right, exactly. I think that's the big concern. And it does raise some important questions that I think you guys are, are, are trying to get at. And I think we don't really know until people, uh, you know, do these searches to see whether there's anything missing. I think, you know, it's going to be a, a work in progress. What a mess. How this thing has mutated. Clearly to the benefit of Donald Trump. And welcome to High Cheese. Today is Friday, January 27th. 2023. And this is just indicative of the mess that's really in Washington. You know, they love to say, oh, everything runs so smooth in Washington. There's bright people. They're the best and the brightest. I don't think so. Now Mike Pence, he's got classified documents. And National Archives has just sent out a notice to all former presidents and vice presidents, hey, could you do us a favor and could you just check your files to see if you have anything classified? Now, these are the two real losers throughout this whole thing. It's not Trump. It's not Biden. Well, it actually is going to be Biden because of the connection with Hunter throughout this. And I'll get into this later. Not Pence. It's the Department of Justice and National Archives. Because quite frankly, Donald Trump is the only one that knows what he has. Pence doesn't. Biden doesn't. Well, Biden doesn't because he's mentally incapacitated. But when he took those documents... When he was of clear mind, he knew what he was doing. Clearly, the National Archives does not know what they have. Think about it. This is supposed to be the National Archives. This is supposed to be the database of all important documents. And they don't know what they have. And they should have an investigation on the operations of the National Archives. Is, it, is this nothing more than a political witch hunt? Was National Archives part of a political witch hunt against Donald Trump? And it's blew up in their face, just like the Department of Justice. And I'm just laughing at this. Now, what does the Department of Justice do now? Are they going to have a special prosecutor for Pence? Now, do they wait? Because I guess the threshold is that if you're running for president, you're going to have a special uh, prosecutor. So are they going to wait till Pence announces? Now, what's the perception now? If Pence doesn't announce, now you have the deep state interfering, interfering with Pence's ability to run. So, just an absolute mess. And this is the problem with the people down there. They're, again, I've always said they're not bright people. And what's the old saying? You're worried about everybody's, uh, your neighbor's grass. Meanwhile, your your backyard's grass is needs to be mowed. Something along like that. Now, how could the attorney general clearly go into this without knowing there's a possibility that there could be other classified documents in the current president's house, in the former vice president's house? They didn't think that there was a possibility that that could happen. They had no concept about what the National Archives was charged with and with what was the ability of the National Archives. But they 
just had so much hatred for Donald Trump, they don't think clearly. If they thought clearly, and maybe the National Archives had, had let the former vice president have documents, the current president, when he was vice president, take documents, and maybe they were looking the other way. No, they never thought of that. All they did want, <laughs> they just wanted to get Donald Trump. And between their arrogance and their hatred, it just dumbed them down. Because quite frankly, you don't go to war unless you know what the capabilities are of your allies. And your allies in this case, if you're the Department of Justice on National Archives, and they're coming out to be the weak sister on this. So again, you know, look, like I said, Trump's coming out of this. Trump's going to be the only one that knows what the heck he's doing. And before I forget, remember, they are going to pursue the route that hurts Donald Trump the most. So in my previous episode, I gave four options, and either of those options that they can pursue are not going to be done for justice's sake. It's going to be done to hurt Donald Trump. So whatever route they do take, whether they do indict Trump, not indict Trump, indict Biden, not indict Biden, they're going to just pursue hurting Donald Trump. So that's what this is all about. But again, we do need to take a look at the National Archives, see if it's been politicized, see what their capabilities are, and see if they look the other way for other presidents and other vice presidents. Now, one thing, did you notice, though, in the CNN, they were talking about, oh, now Dick Cheney may have to go back and look, and George Bush may have to go back and look their, at their homes to see if they've got anything. Bill Clinton, you notice how they meant, didn't mention Obama. God forbid if Obama had some documents in his house. And that's where the cover-up would be. These people love Obama so much, I can see them just burying any classified documents that would be found. And I really do think that the FBI should be proactive in this. They should go to every house of a former president, a former vice president, and go through their house. Go through the panty drawers of the ex-first lady, just like they did to Melania Trump. Because that's what would be fair. So we shall see. And this is where Joe Biden's going to have a problem. And the problem is Hunter Biden, as usual. And Hunter Biden's access to those top secret documents that were in the garage, next to the Corvette, in the Penn Biden Center, and wherever else he had them. And I want to take us to an article from the Gateway Pundit. And the article says, here it is, the smoking gun. The 20-point email of classified information from his father that Hunter Biden sent to the Burisma board members in April 2014. So what this is, it's an email, a memo that Hunter sent out to his business partners. And there's two things that jump out. One is that it's something that you wouldn't expect Hunter Biden to be able to put together. He was drug addicted at the time. He really didn't have a talent at all other than being the president's son. And the timing of it is very, very suspect. So it appears to me that this memo he sent to his partner and these bullet points that are in the memo, and I'm not going to read the memo, but it looks like it was taken from some top secret document. So let me just read the article. It says here, uh, according to emails uncovered from the laptop from hell, Hunter Biden sent his business partner, Devin Archer, a very detailed email on Ukraine on April 13th, 2014, just one week before Joe Biden visited Ukraine to meet with then Prime Minister 
yet sent yuck. It appears that Hunter Biden was emailing Devin Archer information he received from a briefing his father, then Vice President Joe Biden, held earlier. Or the information may have come directly from top secret documents. And and I'm not going to read the email. It's just it, it's a lot of uh, internal nuance that's important to uh, insiders. The point is, is that this is something that Hunter Biden couldn't put together. He clearly is not capable of putting it together. And if the uh, FBI was not on the take, they would be looking for secret documents in that house that matched this memo, that were similar to this memo. Or whether there was anything in the National Archives that were similar to this memo. Because if it was, you know that Hunter Biden had access to those that classified documentation. And this is what's going to get Joe Biden in trouble. Now, I'm being very narrow here with my scope on Biden and Hunter because there's so much more that's on the laptop that is incriminating for uh, Joe Biden. But uh, right now, I'm just focused on the top secret documents and how it relates to Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Now, Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, is leaving. He's stepping down. And it's likely related to this document gate. And he doesn't want to get caught up with it. He wants to leave. The, uh, he wants to jump ship before it really gets bad. With that said, I think the other person that should resign is Karine Jean-Pierre. And it's not because she's incompetent. It's by the mere fact that she was not kept in the loop on this. And they threw her out to the wolves to look like a stooge. And quite frankly, if she had any self-respect, she would quit. Because she really is looking like a fool out there. And she knows for all purposes that they're keeping her out of the loop. So again, if she had any self-respect, she would quit. Ukraine's a corrupt country. Year in and year out, it ranks in the top three of corrupt countries. And ever since the war started, suddenly they've gone from being corrupt to being pristine. Don't question Ukraine. They're in a fight against Russia. And it took for the Republicans to take over and Speaker of the House McCarthy to say that they anticipate doing an audit on Ukraine and the funds that are going to Ukraine. And lo and behold, we've got our first scandal coming out of Ukraine. Says a top presidential advisor and four deputy ministers, among those two defense officials, along with five regional governors, were forced out of their posts. And among the regional governors to step down included officials overseeing regions which have, been, which have seen intense fighting including the Kyrgyzstan region, where Russia forces have lately reported gains. And the list involves the deputy defense minister. The Ukraine's deputy defense minister was forced to resign over corruption allegations. Deputy prosecutor, and I'm not going to say their last names, I'm going to say their positions. I have a hard time with English, let alone Ukrainian names. Okay, let me give you the other... Uh, two deputy ministers for the development of community and territories, the deputy minister for social policy, and various regional governors throughout Ukraine. And again, the one on top of this list is the deputy defense minister. And the charges, and I won't say charges because they haven't been charged with anything yet. And who knows if they're ever going to get charged because it's Ukraine. This is perfectly acceptable business in Ukraine. So this is what we've heard. We've heard the defense minister was overpaying for food supplies for the troops. So here's our money going to Ukraine. 
and the deputy defense minister is overpaying for food for the troops. And we know what happens. He's getting some money on the back end. There's been accusations of kickbacks. And here's the funny thing I heard on this. (laughs) And apparently the deputy defense minister was driving around in a luxury car. Here it is, country's off at war, and he's driving around in, I don't know, Lamborghini. Who knows? And then they were all living in mansions. Apparently a lot of them had just purchased mansions, these very large homes in Ukraine in the middle of a war. They did it because it was standard operating procedure in Ukraine. And this would have continued to go on and on until the Republicans came and and took over Congress and said, look, we're going to perform an audit. So when people talk about Ukraine and and them being freedom fighters, not sure if it's freedom fighters. They're protecting their own graft. That's what they're doing. Now, in a related topic, the United States said this week that it was going to give Russia 31 Abram tanks, our most sophisticated land vehicle in our arsenal. This coincides with the commitment by Germany to send, uh, I think, 14 Leopard 2 tanks to Ukraine. And apparently there's going to be some kind of commitment for more tanks to Ukraine by NATO countries. And this is clearly an escalation of the war. And I would like to play a clip if I found it, but there was a, a German elected official that clearly came out and just said, hey, look, we're at war with Russia. And look, for some reason, Germany's got, had an issue with sending tanks in Russia because there's a terrible history of Nazis attacking Russia, and they're very sensitive about that. And uh, they wanted commitment by other countries in NATO to send the tanks. So the United States came out and said they were going to commit Abrams tanks. You know, call me cynical, but part of this announcement was to take the, uh, the corruption scandal in Ukraine off the headlines. But in fact, we've escalated the war and we're now walking closer and closer to a nuclear war with Russia. And I just, you know, the whole thing is just strange, the way that the uh, United States has framed this thing. They're going to give them uh, Abram tanks, but it's going to be our most recent Abrams tank. It's not going to be any of that are in our stockpiles, the ones that are going to be created by the defense contractors. From reports, this is going to take anywhere from three months to a year for Ukraine to get them. Because there's orders in with other countries for these tanks, and it's going to cause a lot of problems. And I think one of the uh, countries that have put an order in, I think Taiwan has put an order in for 100 tanks. And it's going to tick off Taiwan if you move Ukraine up to the top of the list. And I think there's another country, too. I forget which uh, country is involved with the uh, a tank order. But uh, from what I can gather is that there's 300 tanks at least ahead of Ukraine. And I think it can pump out a dozen tanks per month. So, you know, it's it's going to be a while. And then the tanks that the Ukraine are getting are not, aren't going to be uh, fully equipped. And uh, one of the things they're not going to give... Ukraine is apparently there's some body armor that you put around the tanks. I guess it's highly sophisticated. Now, I don't know how effective these M1 tanks are going to be, these Abram tanks, because uh, they require jet fuel, they require high maintenance, and they have to have uh, be followed by these support vehicles with parts, fuel. And I, look, to me, I, I just don't know how effective it's going to be on the ba- uh, battlefield in Ukraine. Because if I'm the Russians, I don't need to attack the uh, the tanks, just to attack the support vehicles. And what's going to happen with the optics when Russia 
destroys several of the tanks and starts taking pictures of it and putting it out for the world to see. But our leaders don't care right now. Our leaders want to escalate this war. Our leaders are deluded right now. They're not thinking straight. Whether it's hatred for Donald Trump, whether it's the shutdown, the COVID shutdown, it's demented their minds. Or maybe it's just evil. Maybe they've been overcome with evil. And they want to drive the world into chaos. Because that's where evil thrives. So uh, clearly, Russia is viewing this as a provocative move and a clear escalation of the war. And what Russia did is they sent out the destroyer into the Atlantic Ocean to go through, I guess, uh, maneuvers. And this destroyer has uh, hypersonic nuclear armaments. They're doing maneuvers right now in the Mid-Atlantic. And it's clearly a response to this escalation. And here's what gets me. Is that what, is, what does Zelensky say? I didn't say? Yeah, he says, thanks, but now I want F-16s, and now I want missiles to shoot into Russia. And it's funny, there was an article, and I think this was pointed out in the war room by uh, Steve Bannon. He, he pulled out an article from the Financial Times, I think it was the Financial Times, and uh, it says, U.S. defense contract is ramping up building F-16s. I guess they're anticipating selling more F-16s. And... Look, you got to understand is that at some point, if it continues, we will have boots on the ground because Russian's army is massively larger than Ukraine's. And Ukraine's army is getting ground down, ground down. Now, Russia's taken some casualties, but their army is much bigger. They can, they can afford it. Ukraine can't afford it. So we can give them all the supplies, all the tanks in the world. But if they don't have soldiers to man those tanks, what good is it? And then Zelensky's going to come out. I need troops. You guys got to come in and do this. I can't finish it. It's a threat to you. And one thing I can't understand is these people that are out there saying that, oh, yeah, we got to stop Russia because if they win in Ukraine, they're going to attack NATO. Really? These are the same people that saying, oh, Russia's army is no good. Look at them. They're struggling in Ukraine. Well, if these people think that Russia's struggling in Ukraine, how are they going to attack the NATO countries, which have a massively larger military than Ukraine? It just doesn't make sense. It's counterintuitive. And the only thing that makes sense is that they want chaos too. And they want to feed the defense industry. And it's on both sides of the aisle. I want to play a clip. It's, uh, it's actually from a year ago. I'm not sure. And it's Senator Roger Wicker. And he's talking about having nuclear war on the table with Russia over Ukraine. Go figure. A corrupt country. So let me play this clip and then we'll come back and discuss I would not rule out American troops on the ground. We don't, do you know, we don't rule out uh, first use nuclear um, action. And again, that was uh, Senator Roger Wicker from Mississippi. And his position is insane. And with that said, I just want to pull up a, an article. I pulled it off the Drudge Report. It's by the Daily Mail. And the article says that <clears throat> the WHO is preparing for nuclear war. It says the health body publishes a list of medicines for nations to stockpile in case of radiation or nuclear emergency. As the European Union warns that Russia is at war with the West. It says here, the WHO issued guidance on how to survive a nuclear catastrophe today. Threat of nuclear war is heightened amid Russian fury over NATO tank deal. 
Zelensky, again, has ruled out peace talks with Vladimir Putin. The World Health Organization, WHO, has updated its list of medicines to stockpile for radiological or nuclear emergencies, just hours after the EU warned that Russia is at war with the West. I think it was vice versa. What I saw from the German elected official was that Germany is at war with Russia. So, look, I'm a student of history. I understand Russian history. I understand uh, European history. And there are a lot of similarities between what is going on today and what happened in World War One. And essentially, it comes down to just poor leadership. We have poor leaders today. We had poor leaders back then. And even if you ask historians, well, how do we get into World War One? No one really knows why. And... That's going to happen today. And the only difference between World War I and today is that we're going to have nuclear weapons flying around. So remember that. We're on a dangerous trajectory. We're putting our kids, our country at risk over Ukraine. It's a European problem. Let Europe deal with it. We don't need our kids over there. We don't need to get nuked over Ukraine. Let them settle. It's not going to be good for Zelensky, but it's better than having your kids die. And these are the same people that bought us Afghanistan, Iraq. How'd that work out for us? And, and the troops were great. The army was great. The leadership was poor. And these are the same people that are going to get us into Ukraine. Oh, and by the way, I think today, it was today or yesterday, was the anniversary of us pulling out of Vietnam. Just packed up and left. So think about that. So DirecTV dropped Newsmax, the fourth largest cable news network. And it, clearly it's because of politics. It's nothing more than that. They dropped OAN last year. But we have tools. And what I suggest is call AT&T who owns DirecTV. Just say, look, I'm not going to buy AT&T products. Reinstate Newsmax. Call DirecTV directly. Cancel them. Trump came out and said, cancel DirecTV, cancel DirecTV. My parents canceled DirecTV last year when they dropped OAN, and they're perfectly happy with, without DirecTV. So you do that. Now, I want to point something out that a lot of people don't know, and it may not affect DirecTV, but it affects the cable providers. And what people don't know is that the local governments have agreements, at least in New Jersey, and I think throughout the country, there's many local governments that have their own agreements with cable companies. Like in New Jersey, many uh, municipalities have their own agreements with, I think, Verizon and Optimum. And the municipalities get paid a certain percentage of the, uh, uh, of the fees that are generated by the residents of the, each township. Now, what I want to suggest to you, and I'm going to do this too, is... I'm going to request that next time a municipality starts negotiating an agreement with a cable company, they put a little caveat in the contract that says, that you're not going to make decisions based on politics. You're not going to drop Newsmax types. Now, I think it would be a little difficult to come in and say, you know, I want this station, that station, this station. It'd be a little difficult to put that in the contract. But what you can put in the contract, and you can push for this, keep the politics out of your decisions because that's not the best interest of the township. Because when you think about it, if I'm going to negotiate with a cable company 
where I get a percentage of what the, the cable companies take in from the residents and their cable charges. Well, if they drop a Newsmax, there are going to be a lot of people that are going to drop the cable provider. And that, in turn, is going to bring less money into the township. So particularly those listening in New Jersey, go to your municipality, ask for a copy of the agreements that each municipality has with, or your municipality has with the cable company, and then ask them. Say, next time these contracts are renewed, add a caveat about not making decisions based on politics. Now, other states may have a, a larger agencies that deal with this. So go see them. Now, in New Jersey also, they have the uh, BPU, the Board of Public Utilities, that also regulate cable. But these contracts on the local level are very important because you have a lot of leverage as a municipality to these contracts. So let your voice be heard. And for those who have listened to my podcast, I've got this underlining theme about the quality of the individuals that are manning our institutions and how they just lack in so many ways, whether it's uh, intellectually, whether it's from a character standpoint. You know, as I've always said, most of these people that are working in Washington, a lot of our institutions, just not bright people. And uh, their demeanor is bad. Uh, their wisdom is bad. And with that said, I want to talk about uh, Project Veritas. And their last uh, target was a gentleman named Jordan Tristan Walker. And he was, or he is, a director at Pfizer, and he's in charge of research and development, strategic operations, and mRNA scientific planning. So to make a long story short, so what Veritas has done is they were able to get Walker to say that Pfizer is actually looking into mutating the COVID virus in order to create a proactive vaccine. And there's a lot of ethical issues around that. And it's very similar to gain a function. And Walker goes on to say, yeah, it's similar to gain of function and, uh, or mutating viruses could be problematic. And, you know, with that said, I, I want to go to a clip and it's from Dr. Robert Malone's reaction to this response by Walker. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, Robert Malone is one of the inventors of the mRNA vaccine. And he is one of the leaders in the fight against the CDC and government institution protocol for the COVID virus. So with that said, let's go to the clip. He's going to uh, explain a little better than I did about what we were saying with this Walker interview. So let's go to the clip and then we'll discuss. The gentleman seems to have absolutely no moral compass at all about what he's doing. The hubris and arrogance and immaturity. If this is the quality of individuals within Pfizer that are making these huge decisions that uh, risk global public health with such a casual disregard for the human toll, it's profoundly corrupt in terms of would it be feasible for Pfizer to circumvent international or national law, I think that is undeniable. And the gentleman in your investigative work has clearly indicated that Pfizer believes that it has successfully captured the regulatory apparatus of the United States government and presumably worldwide. Pfizer has completed regulatory capture, is quite proud of it. And if you get a chance, uh, go to Project Veritas's website and you'll see an adult male have a meltdown like a child when 
James O'Keefe confronts him. And it's just startling. And like Malone said, these are people that are in our institutions acting like children. And while we're on the theme, I want to switch to another clip. And this has to do with the nomination of a U.S. District Court judge. And her name is uh, Charnel Belkengren. And she is being interviewed, lack of a better word, by Senator Kennedy from Louisiana. So let's go to this clip because it's quite embarrassing. And then we'll come back and discuss. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and congratulations. Judge, uh, tell, tell me what Article 5 of the Constitution does. Article 5 is not coming to mind at the moment. Okay. How about Article 2? Neither is Article 2. Okay. Do you know what purposivism is? Um, in my 12 years as an assistant attorney general huh? and my nine years serving as a judge, I was not faced with that precise question. Um, we are the highest trial court in Washington state, so I'm frequently faced with um, issues that I'm not familiar with, and I thoroughly review the law, our research, and apply the law to the facts presented to me. Well, you're going to be faced with it as a, if you're confirmed. I can assure you of that. And these are the type of people that Biden is putting up for judges. She couldn't tell you about Article 5 of the Constitution or Article 2? I got a 12-year-old nephew that can tell you that right off the top of his head. And this person is up for a judgeship. It's sad how our expectations have been lowered regarding the people in our institutions. Well, I'm not willing to accept that. And I think most of my listeners will accept that. Now, we will all be better off if this Chanel Belkengren does not get confirmed. And let's hope that the uh, Judiciary Committee does the right thing. And one last thing before I go... Ronna McDaniel was reelected as the RNC chair for the fourth time, and she beat out Harmeet Dillon and Mike Lindell. So I guess no more contributions from me to the RNC, unless McDaniel can come out and say that she is actually going to listen to the base, and the RNC is going to listen to the base. So nothing has changed, at least on that level. So we shall see. Okay, thank you so much for listening. You have a good week, and I will talk to you next Saturday.